You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. With just weeks until Election Day, Washington Post Live shined a spotlight on lawmakers, advocates, and entertainers who are working to get out the vote and encourage young people to become more actively involved in democracy. In this first segment, you'll hear from former Massachusetts Governor Deval Patrick, who will discuss his work to energize the Democratic base and mobilize people to get involved through his Together Fund PAC. Following his segment, you'll hear from Zach Carruthers, the bassist for Portugal the Man, and Amy Lee of Evanescence. Both will discuss their band's partnership with Headcount, a nonpartisan group that stages voter registration drives at concerts, executes fan-based texting campaigns, and more. Let's listen. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us here at Washington Post Live. I'm Karen Tumulty. I'm a columnist here at The Post, and I write about politics. And I'm going to be joined this afternoon by Deval Patrick. He is the a former governor of Massachusetts and was a candidate for the Democratic nomination in 2020. We're here to talk to him about some of the work he has been doing recently to mobilize people and get them more engaged with this election. So first of all, welcome, Governor. Thank you very much, Karen. I want you to know that I am coming to you from the nursery of our brand new granddaughter who was born on Saturday. Uh, so I'm in, uh, I'm in hallowed space right here. Oh my goodness. Well, if you, if you want to hold up the baby at some point, we're fine with that too. <laughs> if she were in here, you could not hear me. So I am alone in her room. She is with her mommy right now. <laughs> well, I would like to first ask you about some pretty remarkable scenes that we have been seeing this week as early voting has has opened. And I mean, this election is underway in a lot of states we're seeing long lines of eight hours in, in Georgia. What does yeah. that tell you about what's going on out there in the country with respect to this election? You know, I find it really encouraging that so many people have turned out and I hope they continue to do so. Indeed, I urge them uh, to do so because, uh, you know, if the character of the candidates is an issue in every election, this time, the character of the country is on the ballot. And everybody has a stake in that. Obviously, I am pushing hard for the election of uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris uh, to the White House. But we're working really hard with Senate candidates and with uh, House candidates, Democrats, who are in many cases competing in places where Democrats haven't uh, competed or haven't competed successfully in the past, because this is everybody's chance. And so getting alongside those grassroots groups who are bringing out voters who have checked out or been left out or feel that way uh, in this election, I think um, is paying off. And I hope it uh, I hope it continues. I hate the long lines. I'm sorry about that. And I do wish that uh, that uh, our election officials um, in the places you cited um, seemed better prepared. But frankly, the long lines and the fact that people are willing to wait so that they can be sure they get to vote is enormously encouraging, I think. So the president of the United States has repeatedly questioned the legitimacy of the voting processes in this country, specifically things like mail-in voting. We heard it again last night in his town hall on NBC. Do you think that in some sort of odd counterintuitive way that might actually be contributing to the, the urgency that people are feeling to, to get there in person? 
You God only knows, Karen. I, I mean, you know, he's he he runs down um, a uh, uh, a mechanism, mail-in voting that he, his staff, his family have repeatedly used it and have used it as uh, so many others have in a safe and secure way. At the same time, uh, his appointee to the post office is uh, is hard at work making the making that system less efficient, less uh, timely. And he um, he calls attention or calls uh, concern uh, to um, uh, to the voting um, process as if um, as if we have widespread vote fraud when all of the evidence is to the contrary. Look, I think it's important that people show up um, and make a plan to do so. Uh, if they haven't passed the uh, the uh, deadline for registering and they're not registered, they should get registered. If they think they are registered, they should check because one of the strategies of the National Republican Party has been a purging program where they remove names of otherwise valid uh, registrants because they haven't shown up for the last uh, couple of elections. So folks should check. Um, they should uh, check the deadlines for mailing in if that's their intention and mail if they have their ballot right now. Uh, and if they don't intend to mail, they should make a plan um, for a line on election day uh, at their polling place and bring a chair and water uh, and certainly a mask and something to read and listen to because every vote matters and every vote has to be counted. So another big story this week was the, the nomination hearings for Amy Coney Barrett um, to the Supreme Court. The, the Senate has not been very efficient at doing much lately, but judicial nominations are something that is a, they're a high priority. Mitch McConnell, he, he does manage to, to get those things through. What is your gut telling you about how, is this gonna be a big issue in this election? And, and how does this Supreme Court nomination fight cut among the electorate? I honestly don't know. Um, it troubles me deeply, um, uh, not just because of the hypocrisy of the Republican leadership. It was the same people, the same leadership, uh, who said that uh, uh, that President Obama's nominee almost a year before uh, Election Day shouldn't even get a hearing, um, who uh, now are saying we've got to hurry up and get this done uh, within days of the uh, of the election. That hypocrisy is not surprising. Um, this is a power play, and look, I respect that it's a power play, but I think that the underlying concern for me as a, uh, as a lawyer, as a civil rights lawyer, as someone who is interested in the uh, constitutional structure and balance of three independent uh, branches, is that we have seen Mitch McConnell drive so-called conservative justices and judges uh, onto their benches who are in fact judicial activists. And if you just look at examples like, uh, like Citizens United, you know, you ha we have these originalists who concluded that, uh, uh, you know, a corporation is a person for First Amendment uh, uh, purposes. There's, there's absolutely nothing in constitutional history that leads to that um, uh, conclusion. That the Voting Rights Act is somehow not uh, current anymore because Times have changed. Times just, you know, pulled out of the ether. No legislative record to say that. And no sooner had they gutted the Voting Rights Act and all the shenanigans around making it harder to register, making it harder to vote, purging, uh, and so forth, 
um, were, uh, were permitted. You see what's happening in Texas now with the governor summarily reducing to one ballot box uh, one drop box per county, including in big counties with millions of people like Harris County. So I think let's all be clear. This isn't about driving a conservative agenda, if that word as Webster's Dictionary uh, means anything anymore. It's about driving an activist agenda, more intervention uh, in, per in people's private uh, uh, lives and concerns. And that should worry all voters, all voters. Uh, uh, and most particularly Democrats, um, we ought to show up, we ought to be concerned about this, and we ought to develop strategies after uh, a victory uh, to, uh, to try to ameliorate it and get some balance back into the judiciary. Well, another obvious big story is the COVID-19 epidemic. We are seeing the numbers going up again, alarmingly. We yes, are seeing Congress and the president just completely unable to, it seems, to produce any kind of relief package. We know that this is dragging down President Trump's job approval ratings. But could you talk a little bit about how this is likely to affect candidates of both parties up and down the ballot because we have the control of the Senate is in the balance um, and even down to some state legislatures could, could swing one way or the other. You know, I, I have to say, Karen, that um, for me, policy matters where it touches people. And if, um, if our representatives in any office aren't thinking about the judgments they make from the perspective of the working poor, uh, working people, the, the vanishing middle class, people who depend not on government to uh, solve every problem in their lives, but to help them help themselves. To me, if you, are, if you are leading, if you are representing from that perspective, it is unconscionable to have let this country go even deeper into um, public health and uh, an economic crisis than we already were. And to, to say, as some did early on, well, we're not going to do another package because it's only bailing out blue states. You know, the notion that you're elected by, you know, this or that party, but then you only serve the folks, the folks who voted for you is just wrong. And I hope that's what voters are thinking about when they go to the polls. The reason the president's uh, approval ratings are justifiably low when it comes to handling uh, the COVID crisis is because he didn't handle the COVID crisis. He ignored it. He denied it. He did so publicly while uh, your colleague um, uh, in recorded uh, conversations um, uh, he acknowledged, the president acknowledged, that he knew how serious uh, this was. And he's encouraged a confusion around how to respond. It's one of the reasons why um, I'm joining with, uh, with some other governors, current and former, to see if we can come to some national consensus on strategies um, uh, that will enable um, local governments um, and businesses and individuals to start to make judgments based on uh, based on a consistent and coherent um, uh, set of national guidelines. 
we're missing that leadership from the from the president. But to your point, we're missing that leadership in the Senate as well, uh, where uh, um, uh, we need um, uh, the states do, cities and towns do, individuals do, um, a reason to hope right now and to bridge across um, to uh, to better times. And we are not getting that. And all of them in the Senate and all of them in the White House know that. And they should uh, there should be consequences for it politically. Well, you had sort of touched on the mixed messaging here. The, the Post had a pretty extraordinary story this week about a closed door meeting of conservative activists, including Charlie Kirk. Now, mind you, the the messaging from the White House is things need to open up. What they were saying is it would actually help Republicans if college campuses stayed shut down because uh, students couldn't mm. participate in this election. You know, getting right. young people to get engaged in the process, getting them to the polls is, is you know, it's a long-standing story, especially, you know, if there's not anybody named Barack Obama on the ballot. Could you talk a little bit about the challenges of youth engagement, youth participation, and whether you are seeing any signs that things could be different this year, even with the COVID epidemic? Yeah, well, you know, I'll start with this qualifier, if I may, Karen. I'm a proud Democrat, Democrat, but I'm I'm not the sort of Democrat who thinks you have to hate Republicans to be a good Democrat. Um, but I am feeling more and more um, just angry about the behavior of uh, uh, of uh, the National Republican Party because it, it their behavior around voting makes it seem that they have concluded they could not win a fair fight. And so they're trying every different way to make sure it's hard for people to vote or that this or that uh, part of the electorate's vote is suppressed or not counted or discouraged in some way. Um, let's have a contest uh, of ideas. I think um, the Democrats were interested in a pro-growth strategy that is about growing the economy out so that people have opportunity up and down. Uh, the uh, the economic uh, scale and not just up to the well-connected is exactly what America needs. And I'll, I'll tell you, when it comes to the youth vote, there's this notion of generational responsibility that every single one of us learned from our grandparents, right? That we're supposed to do what we can in our time to leave things better for those who come behind us. And there are an awful lot of young people I meet or correspond with or, you know, Zoom or Skype with who are, uh, who are feeling like um, the generation before theirs has not borne that uh, that responsibility. And they are energized. You see them out in the streets, and they have been for months since the George Floyd videotaped killing. Um, and they are expressing their outrage, not just about that ugly, persistent pattern of, uh, of excessive force, but about um, uh, structural racism generally in the society and about the ways in which um, we are not keeping faith with our ideals, our civic ideals of equality, opportunity, and fair, and fair play. So I am hoping and have been encouraging as and where I can uh, that young people will show up, will do all those things I mentioned earlier, registering, making a plan to vote, 
showing up at their polling uh, uh, place, wherever they are. If they're home with mom and dad, uh, if they're back on a college, uh, uh, college campus, because they understand that this is about their future um, and that we can have a better future if we engage, even if, and I hasten to add this, even if the top of the ticket or any other candidate isn't exactly the one you were for. Right now, what's at stake is the quality and success of our democracy, and we all have a role to play in saving it. Could you talk a little bit about your sort of tactical and strategic approach to this? As a, as a presidential candidate, you were critical of political action committees and campaign finance. Now you are raising a ton of money for this endeavor. Um, you, you also have decided, I think, not to advertise. So how, how are you approaching this as a seasoned politician? <laughs> well, um, seasoned, I, you know, I've had one, I've had one job twice, um, and I was a presidential candidate for 15 minutes. Um, and I hate the role of money in politics, so much of it, uh, so much of it dark. Um, but at the same time, and I'm, and by the way, I think that election reform should be the very first bill uh, that comes before um, a Democratic House and Senate um, after the election. Um, but what I'm doing in Together Fund is um, trying to encourage and support uh, Democratic candidates in places where Democrats have not competed or competed successfully um, for a long time. I was um, on the ground with uh, with Doug Jones when he ran a special election. I'm heading back there this uh, weekend and T Together Fund has uh, supported him. Same with Mike Espy in, in Mississippi. Uh, we're supporting Jamie Harrison in uh, in North Carolina, uh, uh, you know, Teresa Greenfield out in Iowa, and I can go on. Uh, and a number of House candidates as well, whom we uh, worked with in uh, the midterms and are, and are back to help with. At the same time, we're supporting the grassroots groups who are getting out the vote, bringing in uh, new uh, or lapsed citizens um, or neglected and marginalized uh, citizens so that they understand um, neighbor to neighbor their role and their stake in changing the course of history uh, right now. And uh, it's those grassroots groups, in many cases, working outside uh, the local um, Democratic uh, Party, but working very, very effectively, as I said, neighbor to neighbor, Karen, by encouraging people to see their stake in their own civic and political future. So where do you take this after November 3rd? Well, we'll see what the outcome is after November, uh, after November 3rd. I do think there is... Um, a real opportunity for the um, for the uh, Democratic National Committee, if I may say, um, uh, run uh, brilliantly, I think, by Tom Perez to extend some of what he's been trying to do to build bridges with these grassroots uh, groups. I think there's going to be an enormous um, uh, and yeasty policy debate um, after uh, uh, after victory about where. Um, you know, different uh, solutions may lie. Healthcare, for example, you know, uh, so frustrating in the primary that we spent all this time on nuances and differences in uh, uh, in our strategies around healthcare. 
when uh, the you know sort of simple uh, point was all of us as Democrats wanted everyone to have access to affordable quality care and the other side doesn't, period. Uh, and uh, But there are lots of different ways to accomplish uh, that. And that's just one example. We are going to have to be about action after winning. And I think that is critically important. I, I think that there are um, uh, justifiable reasons why people are uh, really across the political spectrum are skeptical of politics. They know that their issues get talked about um, uh, during election cycle and then frequently disappear in between election cycles. And I hope Democrats are thinking about this as we work real hard to gain control of the House and the Senate and to put uh, Joe Biden in the White House. We have to deliver and we have to be um, we have to be willing to think and act big, to innovate in our policy approaches, to involve new voices and new perspectives who have not felt that uh, that uh, so-called establishment politics was a welcome place uh, for them uh, or a place where they could be heard. Um, and I think that's how you build uh, rebuild a sense of national community that we all are in this together, we belong to each other. Well, Governor, that is, unfortunately we're out of time, but that is an absolutely lovely way to end. And we not only wanna thank you for being with us today, but ask you to hug that new grandbaby for all of us. I will do, I will do. Thank you very much, Karen. Thank you. And we also want to mention now that we invited the Trump campaign to provide a surrogate today to discuss mobilizing the vote. They decline, declined to participate, but please stay with us. My colleague Jackie Alamani is next up with Jack Carruthers and Amy Lee of Evanescence. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, good afternoon, everyone. I'm Jackie Alamani, anchor of the Power Up newsletter at the Washington Post, and I'm delighted to welcome my guests today. That's Amy Lee, the lead singer of Evanescence, Evanescence and Zach Carruthers, bassist and co-founder of Portugal, the man. My high school self would be totally freaking out right now that I'm interviewing you both on Zoom. So thank you so much for joining me. I'm stoked to interview you both, and I hope everyone in your world is safe and healthy. Um, Let's just jump right into things. Zach, can you tell us about the work that you're doing with Headcount, why you became involved with the group? Hey there. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, this is this is awesome. Um, Headcount, you know, it just it just seemed like one of those no brain situations. You know, um, we we support as as artists. I'm sure Amy, you can agree that uh, that we respect people's voices and everybody needing to find their voice, figuring out what they want to say and say something. And we first started working with Headcount, I believe, in 2014. And since then, we've been uh, we've been registering people to vote at uh, at all of our shows here in the U.S. And we've been doing programs before that. And it's it's a tricky situation. And you know, it's it's nonpartisan, and it doesn't matter who you vote for. You just want to be you just want to be prepared. Um, we grew up in Alaska. Uh, we we just know about being prepared. And there's been many times when, you know, I've tried to do something and things <laughs> things came out that happened that uh, I wasn't prepared for. And so register, 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 and be prepared. Listen to yourself and use your voice. 
Yeah, Zach, you make a really important point that voting is nonpartisan. That's something I don't think we can emphasize enough and we'll return back to that. Um, but Amy, you turned your new song, Use My Voice, everyone buy it on iTunes, into a PSA encouraging young people to vote, uh, people in general. You haven't been very vocal about politics previously. What inspired you to write this song and, and get so involved with the cause? Well, these times that we're living in, this is something that can't be ignored. Um, I think that this doesn't have to be, and it isn't, as we're seeing, you know, people turn out now in droves for early voting. It is so beautiful and encouraging to see that people um, are seeing this time as urgent um, in our world and in our country. Um, it really is important that we all weigh in so that we can all be represented. We can't be represented you know, as a country properly, if we don't all use our voice and um, support each other in that. Uh, and it can be complicated, especially this year, you know, everything's different. Um, and it seems that, um, well, it, it is, it's, it's under a sort of attack, you know, the idea, the credibility of it, which it shouldn't be. Um, we have to get in there and use our voices so that we can have representation, not just for ourselves, but for everybody in the country. Yeah, and, and, and Zach, as I'm sure you're well aware, youth voting has historically been low in the country, although it has spiked in recent years, especially the 2018 midterms, and there's a number of groups, um, including yours, that are going to turn out a record amount of young voters this uh, November in, in 18 days. Um, but on that note, I wanna go to a question from, um, the audience, which is if you are the next generation um, and you are registered to vote, this is from Janice Patterson from Ohio, um, you know, why do you think people are might be registered but then not go to vote? There's a million reasons and it's all it's all personal, you know. I honestly I never voted before. I never cared. I I grew up, I didn't think that I could do anything about it. Or it wasn't that I could do anything about it, but I wanted to do it personally and in a different way. I, you know, coming from Alaska, we don't necessarily trust government or politicians very much. But uh, what I've found is that that doesn't matter. You got to trust yourself. And in this age of disinformation and just having an influx, having so much information at our fingertips, we have no idea what is actually true. And I think the, I think you got to listen to your gut, your gut feeling. There's, there's a truth inside everybody and i do still have faith in people and like a person in particular and then you got to have faith in other people and use your voice to represent the other people and that you may not know you got to vote for somebody you don't know and um like the governor was talking about earlier uh for generations down the line we're doing this work now for people that we'll never meet that'll um because things go slowly in this world but you you got to make a plan you got to prepare and why not man so are, are you worried? Yeah, are you worried? You know, re referencing back to a question my my colleague Karen asked, um, Governor Patrick, are you worried that the pandemic is going to prevent people, especially young people, from turning out? You know, especially with that lack of ground game that might be taking place on college campuses that we usually see. I hope not. There's so many options now, um, and voting isn't all about the day of the election. Um, I think that early voting is a really good choice right now. Headcount, you know, part of the reason I think it's so brilliant and why we wanted to partner with them is because they make the information really easy and accessible. You can go right onto their website, find out, 
not only if you're registered, but exactly where to go, um, how long you know your time frame is for early voting, all your um, options of where you can go. Um, having that information be easily accessible, I think is really important. It is there if you go to headcount.org um, and you can quickly find everything all in one place instead of having to dig around. There is so much information out there and it can be really confusing. Yeah, and you know, I, I actually thank you both for your service because I think really it is so important to make sure that people have access to that verified information. Um, because as, as you both noted, it, it can be really confusing, especially right now with the pandemic and all these new rules and mail-in ballots and are you gonna vote in person or early and, and whatnot. Um, but Amy, you're a mother. And so I'm wondering when you think about the next generation, what are the priorities and policies that animate you and that you think are really important for, for your children and their well-being going ahead? Yeah, I have a six-year-old um, and I was listening to Duvall also and thinking that was so right on. What he was saying, um, what we do now really matters for the future. Um, caring for our planet is a big one for me. Um, we have to look at the signs. We have to pay attention to science. We have to save our world. Um, that needs to be a priority. It's so clear right now. Um, also, I just hope that um, I want my son to be able to look up to our leaders um, for being honest and caring for others. Um, I think that's really, really important. And I think that um, we really can make this a better place, but we need to unify. It can't be about dividing. It needs to be about coming together as a nation. Zach, what do you think is the most important issue that you're voting on this election? Is it climate change, tax policy? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm with Amy on that. The environment, this uh, this world, and just how we've built and we we make businesses and using just natural resources that will eventually run out. And um, uh, uplifting um, indigenous rights is a big thing for us. We run a foundation and that's focused on um, elevating indigenous voices. And that's uh, turning out the native vote is a huge thing for us. And um, yeah, and honestly, the the youth, I we got to take care of our youth and our elders, and I think it's everybody's responsibility in the middle, like we are, to to take care of both of those people, and that kind of keeps the cycle going. And that's one thing that I am very optimistic about is the power that the youth have right now. I have seen some unbelievable things in the last few years of youth organizing. Um, getting out there on the streets, being powerful, being together. There's a lot of separation still, but I do really believe that we're going to have record numbers this year and the, the youth are motivated. They got a fire in them for sure. And it's amazing to see. I'm, uh, I haven't, haven't been proud to be human in a while. And, uh, and when, I, when I see the kids getting together and doing all the powerful things that they're doing, it, it really uh, restores my faith in that. Right on. Now, I have a little bit of a personal question for both of you. Um, this question sort of hit me when I saw the news this week that Shaquille O'Neal came out and admitted that he was going to be voting and was registered to vote for the first time this year in his lifetime. Um, I, you know, and it really highlighted this idea that there's a little bit of a stigma around talking about civic engagement and, you know, when your first time voting was. So I'm wondering, you know, when both of you voted for the first time and what advice you might have to people uh, who haven't voted before and are scared of the process and, you know, maybe embarrassed to even talk about it or ask for help about to, to, to figure out even how to do it. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. Um, and I think part of that a little bit is kind of just 
growing up and, and being in a place where you, you really realize that it matters. And I haven't voted every time. Um, I have been on tour and also thought, I know which way my state's going to go. And man, we, we, I hope we've learned that it really does matter. <laughs> it can really come down to the wire. It really does matter. Um, that's something I just became more convicted about. I first voted in college. Um, I was excited and, and, and proud to do it. Um, the person I voted for didn't win, but it didn't matter. I felt sort of like it was a little bit of a rite of patch, passage becoming an adult and, and having the ability to be a part of it. Um, but we're in a time now where that fire has been lit, um, I think, with so many people, um, young people, um, myself included, in this country. And I I think it's um, a great thing. I think it's something that we can't discourage or make people feel bad for not having voted before. It's not about that. It's about the future, not the past. Let's um, let's all get involved now. Just just like Zach said, it's been really amazing to see um, people, all different kinds of people, um, coming out together in the streets, standing up for what they believe in. Um, that's beautiful. That's rock and roll. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, no, same. Honestly, I've never voted for a president before until uh, I I will I will any day now, as soon as my ballot shows up. Um, I voted for Congratulations. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And there there is a stigma against it and there is um, an insecurity about it. And I've had a problem, uh, just personally speaking on many levels, with decision making and thinking about the consequences and like I said earlier, I, I don't have a lot of faith in politicians, especially at that level. I voted for things on the community level before. I was very active in the community uh, as a kid, and actually I always have been in, in certain ways, but I've always been a little bit of an anarchist, never uh, never believed in, in big government. I think that's just kind of where I grew up, uh, but that has changed. And I have tried before, and that's a lot of the problem too. Same, I've been on tour and tried to vote, and my absentee ballot got got messed up and so i have tried and it hasn't worked out and um and so but there there is a thing you gotta in this time i think it's really good to ask questions it's really good to be okay with asking yourself uncomfortable questions as well and you know that's where growth comes from and you got to be honest and you got to you know speak your truth man and yeah I've never voted. I'm going to do it the first time. I have always been registered and I've always fought to get people registered. And I did that before I was even in this band. And I might have certain ideals that, that kept me from voting for any specific election. And I feel bad about it. And I, I did the wrong, I did the wrong thing. Don't do what Donnie don't does. <laughs> and I, you know, uh, on this topic, um, what do you have to say to the critics, like the Laura Ingrams of the world who eviscerated LeBron James for getting involved in politics and, and you know, expressing his political views, uh, that there should be sort of like a, a separation of churches, that entertainers should stay in their lane um, and, you know, not get involved in, in politics or even nonpartisan causes like voting? That sounds like a way to suppress a voice to me. Word. That sounds like a way to tell people to be quiet with shaming. That's not what we need to be doing right now. We need to be standing up and being strong. And just like Zach said, believe in yourself. Listen to that voice inside yourself. Don't let anybody else put you down. Don't let anybody else stop you from what you believe. 
and 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 seek the truth. I think it is hard to find the truth sometimes these days. Um, it doesn't come down all the mainstream channels. You really need to dig when you hear something um, that sounds like something you do or don't want to believe before you start regurgitating it. Go check out where it came from and see if that's right. Find the truth, make up your own mind, and use your voice. Yeah, I mean, we're we're artists. It's not just like entertainers. And I mean, the whole reason that we do this is because we do whatever we want to do and everyone should. And and that doesn't mean you have to be an artist to do that. That, that works in everything. And um, you know, touring, it's like we we travel way more than most politicians. We see we see everything. We live all walks of life when it comes when it comes to tour and the uh, the places that a lot of venues are when you're when you're in a small band and like seeing the growth and every day is different. Sometimes I'm eating. I I'll eat dinner at like a, a you know a Michelin rated restaurant and stay at a five star hotel. And the next night I have a bag of chips and sleep on a park bench. You never know. But in that, but in that we meet a vast amount of people and we hear a lot of stories. And that's what we do is we share stories. We listen to that. We take that in and then we think about it and we create things to share our stories and pass it along. And so we see a lot of walks of life and I've, I've heard a lot of stories. And somewhere in that you find you find what you believe to be true. This is definitely the most poetic Zoom I've ever done. We don't have much time left, but I'm going to squeeze in two more questions for you guys. And I'd be remiss not to ask you more about your roles as artists. And it's impossible to ignore how artists have been affected by this pandemic. You know, Broadway put on hold until next year. Production paused, concerts canceled. Um, and it's such a vibrant and important part of American culture that you guys contribute to. What can be done to help alleviate and keep artists and performers afloat until there is a vaccine? Hmm. That's a tough question. Is it um, from the federal government? Uh, yes, um, we were able to help our um, touring crew a little bit, and we were able to help some of the people who work for us, yes, um, in the beginning. Um, and that is helpful. But um, as as a community in the music industry, we're we're just trying everything we can to find new ways um, to get music out there, um, to make any money, you know, um, to to continue to to survive, just like everybody else. Um, and I think that that is important, just to show that it is possible to continue um, life during this time and to continue to do our jobs, um, but that we need to. Um, in some form, let old old ways die, and uh, be willing to try new things, to think outside the box, to um, invent new ways um, to to connect with people and to share music through technology or whatever else. Um, so I don't know the best way you can support, like stay out there, pay, pay attention to what's going on. I mean, I, I think that people are they have a little bit more time on their hands, <laughs> um, but um, I, I hope that we can try to mostly um, set an example that that it that it's possible to keep going um to, to spread that hope because it is we, we're gonna get through this um all of us in all of our jobs um we just we have to think outside the box and and keep pushing it to a new place yeah change uh forced change really um it sparks creativity yeah. and uh necessity really does that you know desperate times call for desperate measures me um and so 
the uh, Save Our Stages campaign is a big one. Um, the independent venues are having a lot of trouble right now. And I think um, just keep listening, man. We're going to figure all this out. I know that people miss being together. I miss touring. Um, on the other hand, I'm always kind of a guy who looks on the bright side of things. And I get to spend time with my family. I've spent more time at home than I have in years, which is uh, which is pretty nice. <laughs> and um, and it's given us a lot of time to reflect and fix a lot of things that are broken in uh, within us, within our systems. You know, everybody has that that cabinet that squeaks or doesn't quite close right that you've uh, been annoyed with for three or four years. This might be a chance to fix things in our government, in our institutions and in ourselves and so take advantage of that and but uh but yeah definitely save our stages we um we i know we miss coming together i miss volume i miss decibels like i've got a pretty good system in my truck but i miss uh bass just hitting me in the chest and, i busted uh, we my all... speakers just last week blew them right yeah. out <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> uh yeah so keep it loud yeah. man and, and do what we can until we get back but we want to make sure everybody's safe um everybody everybody's healthy and on that uh vote <laughs> yeah I, I just my i want to squeeze in my last question i'm sorry if I, I lost you guys there temporarily but why what is the urgency of now like why now what is the biggest issue why do people need to go out there like what's your closing message to anyone watching this and to young people uh, and, and voters in general around the country we need to be represented um we do. Our country is a free country because we elect our leaders, because our voices are the ones that, that make the future. So we have to participate for it to continue to be that. It's that simple. That is no better time than now. All we have is the present and we're doing it for the future, but that doesn't exist yet. We're creating that every day. The past is the past and we've got to learn from it. And we've got to do things to heal um, things that have been done in the past. But but now is always the time to do anything. It uh, putting things off, which I've been guilty of forever. Um, turns out that's one thing I've learned. It, it doesn't work so well. So do something now. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, guys. Thank you so much for your insight and your time. I'm looking forward to seeing you both on the stage, hopefully sometime soon. Um, we've got Amy Lee of Evanescence. Thank you. And Zach Carruthers of Portugal Man. Thank you so much again. This was a fascinating discussion. If you missed it or just caught the tail end and want to watch some highlights, please go to uh, WashingtonPostLive.com. I'm Jackie Alemani. We've got a full calendar of events coming up uh, in the next, you know, the final stretch till the election. So please tune in. Thanks again, everyone. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.